As I'm imagining almost all of you will know, uh, Tom and Helen will be moving in about three months' time. They'll be moving to Derby to plant a church which will be called Derwent Valley Vineyard. And they'll be coming up in a few minutes to share some of their journey with you. But before they do, I just wanted to say a few things by, uh, intro by way of introduction. Throughout the life of this church, we have always sought to know what God is initiating and to go for it. Before this church began, Debbie and I were on the staff of Southwest London Vineyard, and it became clear that God was nudging us out of that nest. And Debbie and I, our two lads, and six others moved from London to plant this church. At every stage, we have done our best to respond to the Lord speaking, and what an amazing journey it has been. Some of you have been here on the whole journey of 21 years, including Tom and Helen. From a handful of people, there are now a lot of people. From a small rented hotel function room, we now enjoy these amazing facilities. From one vineyard, we are now, uh, there are now 10 more which were planted out of here into other towns and other cities. And if we add up the numbers of people in the churches that we've planted who will be meeting this morning, it's around the same number of, as we have here today. So well over 1,500 people in the churches that we have so far planted. Those of you who've been here for a while know that it hasn't always been an easy ride. We promised it wouldn't be, and if you recall the very first talks in the life of the church, and if you haven't heard them, you could go back, they're on the website. We talked about, you know, every church is on a journey, basically. We're all heading the same direction to heaven, ultimately, but we take different routes, and there's different driving styles and all that, and so if you wanted to be in a church where you've got a fairly elderly driver and velour headdress taking the gentle scenic route, don't join Trent, was basically the message that we said at the beginning, because this is going to be a bit more adventurous, a bit more scary, and a bit more challenging, and uh, I think it's been proven to be the case through the years. God has asked a lot of us at various junctures in this journey, and many of us have faced the biggest challenges of our lives. And as we've responded in obedience, God has blessed us. God is now moving Tom and Helen to Derby. And what led to the decision was so evidently God speaking that we are excited for them, for those that they will minister to in Derby and beyond, and we're also excited for Trent. God has built a great team here, a wonderful leadership team, and he has plenty more in store for us. So they'll be sharing a little of that journey in a moment, which really, which really is very encouraging. As is often the case with people who plant churches, the process begins with an unsettling, a growing sense that something is brewing, that, the, that this is not gonna continue this way, that something is going to be different in the future. And we've seen it many times as we've planted people from here, and it seems to be the way that God begins to nudge those he wants to send to do something new. And then into that place of being stirred, he speaks with clarity. Just in July, Debbie and I had a growing sense that the Lord was gonna call Tom and Helen to plant a church, and indeed, probably in Derby. And we didn't mention our thoughts to them, didn't discuss it at all with them, but we talked with a few pastor friends. We were, the team was over in the US for the US Pastors Conference, and we had some lunches, and we talked, and we told some people, this is what we believe. God is calling Tom and Helen to go and plant a church, and probably in Derby. 
Anyway, we began to pray every day that God would speak to them. And a couple of weeks later, after the conference and then some time on holiday there in the US, Tom and Helen and us met and they told us they believed that God had called them to plant a church and in Derby. And it was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, we follow a God who speaks. And, you know, his timing is perfect. To have said the same thing to all four of us in a two-week period really is quite amazing. And so we are confident that this move is the Lord's will, and our job is to embrace what he is initiating. Tom and Helen have been dear friends of ours for the past 31 years. That doesn't stop, incidentally, just because they move house. Uh, But Tom and I worked um, full-time with homeless young people here in Nottingham. We overlapped by six months back in 1986. And Tom and Helen lived in one of the 20 houses that I was working with residents to decorate and maintain. And they were looking after, as house parents, their own set of uh, residents. And one of the highlights for me each morning was having a cup of coffee with my dear friend Tom. Because, you know, his positivity was so uplifting in what was, to be fair, wasn't it, Tom, a sometimes challenging working environment. Over the last 21 years, they've invested their gifts and their passion here. They've pioneered and led some of our most treasured ministries, led small groups, which have planted many other small groups. They've helped develop leaders right across the church. They've built great teams. Some people they've developed are on the staff. Some have moved from here to start churches all over the nation. And so we are really, really grateful to the Lord and indeed to them for all that they have contributed to Trent being the church that it is. We're committed, as I say, to being a church which follows God's lead because it is his church, not ours. Last time I spoke, we looked at being an outward-looking church, and I mentioned in that talk, sending people out to plant churches. I was talking about this dynamic of come, come to Jesus, and then go to wherever he sends you. And most of us are sent to the places that we currently frequent, you know, our neighbors and our work colleagues and in and around Nottingham, or if we live in a different town or city, in and around where we live and work. But some are sent further afield to other towns and other cities. When Jesus sent his disciples out, he said this. This is Matthew 10, verse 7. Go. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Freely you have received, freely give. And the message translation of that verse, you have been treated generously, so live generously. Jesus is still sending disciples, and the commission is the same. Proclaim, share the message of God's kingdom. Do it in words, do it in action. He said to those he was sending, freely you have received, but it doesn't end there. In response to all that you've received, so freely given from God's hand, go and give it away. And that is what Tom and Helen will be doing, going to another city with the message of the kingdom, the good news of God's kingdom, to give away everything the Lord has given to them. And this passage also speaks to those of us who are called to stay here. We, Trent Vineyard, have received so much. God has brought amazing people to be a part of us. He has blessed us with gifted people and with resources, with amazing facilities. 
We're a church filled with people who've understood our calling to be Christ's ambassadors through the various ministries that we have, but more particularly in our everyday lives. Trent Rinyard, freely you have received. We have been treated generously in so many wonderful ways. And the Lord would say to us, this is how I want you to respond. Freely give. Live generously. Now, might obeying that command cost us? Yes, of course. As we respond to what the Lord has clearly initiated in Tom and Helen and others leaving to be a blessing in a new context, we will feel it. It will not be the same as it has been. The future is different, and there will be a gap that many of us will feel in our hearts uh, and experiences without them. They are dear friends to Debbie and me, and indeed to many of you. They've invested these years in so many of you uh, that your life is the richer for having known them and having had them here. Their 21 years here have been one of the many ways in which we are the recipients of God's generosity. God freely gave us 21 years with them as part of this family. And now we're invited to, by Jesus to live generously, to freely give them away to another city. In three months' time, we will commission them, so they're still around for three months. January the 14th, you might like to put that in your diary. And as we are invited to live generously in giving away some of the most wonderful people, we're also invited to give generously financially. Um, this we would like to give them by far the largest gift that we've ever given to a church plant because this really is a huge step, a huge step of trust and faith and obedience. And going from two full-time salaries to a new context, there's, there's no money in Derby waiting, there's no church waiting, there's just the people who might go with them and the people they might attract. And so there may be part-time jobs and all that. As the church grows, it's gonna take time for the church that they plant to be able to fully support them. So we don't want them to be full of anxiety about money. And so we want to give them a very, very substantial gift. Some of that will come from the Set Apart Fund and some of that will come from each of us who would like to freely giving. And so we'll take that offering. Uh, we're planning to do that on January the 14th and then to send them out uh, with that substantial amount. So I would encourage you, you've got 14 weeks to be thinking and praying and planning. Let's really give extravagantly to enable this thing to happen. Would you please welcome Tom and Helen. Thanks, Joan, for that. Well, I've got my tissue, just in case. Um, we have just got a few moments to kind of share our reflections on the past 21 years. I can't believe how time has flown by, and it really has. And just to share a bit of what we feel we're moving into. I remember going right back, 1996, where some of you probably weren't even born or any kind of babies. And I remember out of the blue um, getting a phone call from John. And we'd known John and Debbie years before, as John said, we worked for a homeless organization back then. And he, he called up and I obviously answered the phone and he said, oh, hi, Helen. Uh, we haven't seen you for a while, but we're moving to Nottingham. We're going to start a church. And I thought, well, mm, that sounds interesting. I hadn't heard that kind of, you know, thought they were going to leave London, leave security, leave everything and come up to Nottingham. And I thought, well, I suppose it would be a polite thing to invite them for dinner. 
I nearly didn't, funnily enough. Um, but anyway, I did, thankfully. And I remember them uh, a few weeks later coming round for dinner. And as soon as they kind of walked up our, our steps to our front door, we just kind of connected in a way that was really special even then. And I remember them like just seeming like alive, like alive in their faith, passionate about Jesus, passionate about the city they were going to come to and what they felt called to do, um, what they wanted to do and why they wanted to do it. And I have to say it was really compelling and we hadn't seen like this kind of faith in action and so alive for a long, long time. And as they began just to talk about what their dream and vision was, it was just contagious. And um, and I think for us, we just felt an excitement. And as they talked about church, they described a church that Tom and I had, well, often thought, I wish church could be like this, but we know that it isn't. But they described that very thing we'd love church to be about. So it was an incredibly exciting t time. And when John and Debbie, when we did meet up with them, I think it'd be fair to say that we'd just gone through a really hard time in our life, which was part of the reason of us hesitating, um, inviting them over. You know, we just pursued for uh, a sense of calling to be, um, well, Vicar and his wife in the Church of England. And after two years of pursuing that, um, that it's a selection process, giving up my job um, and really focusing time and energy on pursuing that call, we got a big no. Well, I got a big no, and uh, and it was it was massive for us at that time. And yet, at the same time, my sister died. Um, she's only 29, so that was of cancer. That was quite traumatic for for us. And then Helen had a miscarriage, so it was a real season of loss. And we were we were confused and a bit lost really at that time. And I remember again at that time looking out the kitchen window and feeling like. Wow, everything seems to be taken from us, our hopes and our dreams, everything we thought life was going to be about, which is so often the case, isn't it? We have these great ideas and not always the reality. But despite that, I remember also feeling a great sense of peace, thinking, do you know what? I'm not clinging on to anything now. I just kind of feel like, yeah, peace. And I remember looking out the kitchen window then and saying, do you know what, God? Even though things aren't quite as we wanted and we're kind of processing lots of stuff, we're really up for just following you. This doesn't rock my faith. I, I passionately believe, Jesus, that you are the answer for our lives and everything we're going to do. And we're just going to truly just trust you. And then I just had this sense, and again, it's a weird thing when you say, well, God's speaking to you, you know. But I just had this, this sense, I felt I heard a voice say, if you want to know what it really means to serve me, go and live with the poor. And uh, interestingly, as I looked out my kitchen window, half a mile up the road, there was a um, really quite a rough estate and I just thought we, we need to go and live there we need just to go and be amongst people and serve that community in whatever way and I remember saying to Tom I think I think God's speaking I think we've got to move and he was like I don't hear from God whatever kind of thing and um, so actually I was like no I think this is it so it's another story in itself but we ended up moving miraculous really onto the street I'd got three little girls then um, and so we moved and it was just amazing how that actually all came together and to describe this street because that again there's lots of stories from it but it was a sort of street that on a Friday and Saturday night my three young daughters despite them being so young would sit on the windowsill and wait for the entertainment which would either be um, the dogs coming police cars fire engines um, a few drunk people fights and they were like oh mom look look and I was like, oh my goodness uh, explains a lot but anyway so it was um, an interesting place to live 
And it was, it was at that time, it was a time of, of reflecting. Life was simple for us. Um, we were raising our daughters. Um, and God was really highlighting character issues that we, we really needed to work on. And, you know, they were, they were mainly my character issues. I think it'd be fair to say. Uh, still working on those. Anyway. <laughs> But, but in, the, in that season of loss, and, and for me, it was desolation. God was refining us. He was refining me. Jesus, but Jesus was really taking both of us back to the basics. What does it mean to be followers of him in, on that street? And we learned how to just let go and trust God um, through, through those feelings of loss and confusion he was just stripping away all ambition, all sort of uh, chasing after a dream. He wanted to get our foundations right. There was a new openness to embrace whatever God had next for us. And it, a new chapter was about to begin. And I hadn't really realized at the time. And isn't it amazing how God, like, what seems like a coincidence, John calling us, John and Debbie, you know, coming around for dinner, the conversations we had. It was almost like, you could say it was just out of the blue, but actually it was just um, God kind of like working a plan. And it's like, I think sometimes when life's difficult, we can honestly, looking back, probably all of us can do that. We can think, oh no, actually little pieces of the puzzle are all coming together. And that's certainly what it felt like for us. So as they left the house that night when they'd come for dinner, we actually at that point wished them well and said, well, we hope it goes well for you and I'm sure we'll stay in touch. But actually a seed had been planted and for both of us, something woke up in us that had probably been dormant for some time. So we were like, we prayed, we felt churned up and we like, we wanna join in this adventure, God's doing something. I was 30 at the time, uh, Tom was 37, we got our four daughters then, we just had Molly, our fourth daughter. And it was like, a really exciting, nervous beginning for us. And I remember we, I think I was at the second meeting when Trent started, and there was about 30 in this room, this hotel function room. And walking in and just the excitement, the passion, the uh, kind of potential in that room of what God was going to do. And it was just like a, a moment of real awakening. And for us, you know, I guess at that, those ages, it was the first time we felt really invested in. I remember John and Debbie were actually not only expressing how delighted they were to have us around, they saw potential in us, they believed in us, they invested in us, they, they kind of encouraged us to have a go um, at things that maybe we thought we can't do. And that was such a significant time for us. And it was just exciting. We got stuck in with everything. You know, suddenly through this community, um, we began to experience and encounter Jesus just in the everyday ordinary of stuff. And what I um, loved about the vineyard, because we were quite new to the vineyard, coming from an Anglican background, um, was the small groups. I mean, there was so much that was new, but I remember how in a small group setting, we would share our lives together. People would be open, honest, vulnerable. We'd pray for one another. Worship was intimate. Um, it was so refreshing. It was just, we, I felt like I was home. I, I could belong here. I could really develop friendships. And just so many people turning up at our home. Uh, I remember getting really excited. How are we going to fit 25 in this little room? Um, and we never quite knew what was going to happen. Often it felt like a party, but it was a, a party with a focus on, on Jesus and, and what he wanted us to do. It really was an exciting time. And uh, I think one incident for me that really summed up 
just that, that sense of uh, God will do unusual things was that um, we just had a guy turn up at the group one night and, you know, I'd invited this um, student girl to, to bring a homeless friend along to the group because she was thinking of, of giving up a course. I said, don't do that, just bring him along. And that turned into a crazy night um, on that occasion. I'll tell you a bit more about that in a minute. Um, but it was just the fact that God would do the unexpected. And I remember some of the outward-looking blessing the community events we did, c- cutting hedges on our streets, impacting our neighbours. Because the whole focus of the church was about learning to demonstrate God's love in a practical way. Um, John mentioned some of the ministries, and let me just briefly mention, I love going into prisons, um, and the chaplain, when we went into the prisons on a Monday night, took a team in, and the chaplain told me, months later, he said, you don't realise the effect you're having. These guys in their cells at night sing the vineyard songs. And he sort of touched my heart to just imagine, you know, some of the things we learned to do that could have such an impact. They loved the worship, um, the way vineyard worship imprisoned. And then when we started Sundays, for me, I was in a very broken place and I just loved just helping set out the chairs. I had, I had no idea I'd end up on staff. I'd let that die. I'd really, uh, I was just... Uh, you know, setting those chairs up, it really was an act of worship where I could use my energies in a practical way amongst friends. We were all just serving God, uh, and it's, it, it was such a healing thing for me. I remember, again, on the street we'd, we'd lived at for like two years now, and obviously get involved in this new church. And uh, we got to know the people. We were settled on that street. We'd made some actually great friends there. Um, but I also remember something woke up, and it was almost like this kind of supernatural thing, which again makes kind of whole following God really exciting. And I remember um, one girl one day, they'd come to our small group and she said she could feel this electricity coming off us. And she's like, what is this thing? This, this thing, this, this energy is coming off you. What is it? What is it? And just kind of little things like that. And then I, I also remember like this guy got completely healed. He'd got like a stomach ulcers and all kinds of stuff. And we prayed for him and, and he got healed. And, and we had people like kind of literally turning up at our door saying, what's going on here? We want to come. And within a few months, we had to start an alpha on our street as well. So we'd got the, the small group we were running and this alpha course. And there was an appetite and a hunger. And it's like something was, was kind of you know, happening that was just um, beyond our expectations. I remember some kind of other weird, crazy stuff. I remember one night we were, we were outside our porch and this um, guy from down the street, we knew him. He was really, really drunk. And um, he just got really angry as he walked past our kind of... Uh, gate and he marched up the steps ready to punch Tom and I saw Tom kind of brace himself for the punch and literally before well as he swung his punch he went flying backwards some like kind of sci-fi movie and we're like what is that and it felt like this real like spiritual encounter and then I remember another morning waking up and someone had graffitied f off uh, on our wall and um, I just thought I'm excited because something is going on here that we can't really work out but it felt like we were in we're in something that's great and this really was just the beginning for us of what has been the most incredible 21 years and in one sense no day has ever been the same it's been amazing you know as John said for us to be in at the beginning because I feel like we've grown up with this church we've grown and developed in character and our, our gifts and skills as well as our relationship with Jesus which has been brilliant it's been such a privilege to be able to shape things and um develop people and lead different areas um it really has and I was looking back thinking 
we've probably pretty much been involved in every area of the church, you know, from setting up in the early days, um, being involved in Vinnie Kids that was, obviously it's Trent Kids now, um, to leading small groups, training leaders, leading teams. Uh, believe it or not, I used to actually run the admin office. I know. I can't believe I did that. Anyway, and even Debbie and I used to be in the band. We used to be the backing singers. So I feel like we've, we've, really, we've really done it all. But, you know, one of the things that I think it's fair to say we've loved the most is um, that compassion and justice has been so central, such a big part, uh, certainly of my role here, and I guess both of us, really. You know, I remember in 2001 um, giving up my, my role, my career as a nurse, and again, God really speaking uh, to me about that, and then being given the opportunity of setting up and leading the Arches um, project, which many of you will know about. And again, looking back, I felt completely out of my depth, and um, Tom taking me to this derelict building in Lenton, and yet walking in, I mean, it was disgusting, but just felt like I could see and have vision for what this could be. And to see what's happened over the past 16 years has just been beyond uh, my kind of wildest dreams, if you like. From, you know, a few of us, uh, big vision, and then just watching that place get done up. And over the years, having now, you know, hundreds of volunteers impacting the city, seeing thousands of people every year, just being able to be a community that is, is generous with practical provision, but also over the years, just to see lives being transformed um, through different small groups. We do Friday church. Uh, we do all kinds of smaller groups, you know, women's groups, um, training. Uh, we've got a workshop. I mean, it's just been incredible to see what's happened. And I think one of my um, highlights kind of that summed it all up what we wanted to do was a couple of years ago when the Syrian refugee uh, crisis was happening. And um, they asked us to host the first uh, wave of refugee families coming at the Arches. So I remember the day and the, the police were involved. It was like quite a um, major operation. And it was like the church, um, you know, as in the Arches, it was the, the police, the the. Uh, city council, all of us as a city working together to welcome these families who've been through such, you know, trauma. And I remember them, like, you know, arriving that day in the, in the bus and we were able to welcome them, learned a bit of Arabic to do a little welcome, um, and then, like, fed them, and then many of us were able to take them to their new homes and help them settle in and continue to build an ongoing relationship. And that, to me, uh, was, yes, yeah, such a um, privilege um, to do and be part of. But I guess all of that is great, but the thing for me that's been so meaningful and wonderful is all the relationships we've had with many of you here over the years. You know, being part of people's lives and their journeys and major life events, as you've been part of ours in that as well over these years. And working with such an amazing, passionate team, you know, we've journeyed through a lot together, we've laughed together, we've done life together, and, um, and I think these are the things that will probably be the biggest loss as we move on. And also, in the process, I always kind of laugh, really, and I think God's got a sense of humour, because um, anyone who knows us, we are not the finished article, we have many faults. Um, but, you know, along the way, God's allowed us to do all this, and we've been challenged and changed and healed, renewed, energised, and really found a purpose. You know, being part of this church has really made my faith in Jesus relevant, real and alive, and that I couldn't, you know, do anything else but follow what he wants, um, wants us to do. We were, we've always been encouraged to take risks and, and I love the fact that we can take risks and make mistakes and it just sort of, it's something I enjoy doing, taking risks and I don't, don't enjoy making the mistakes so much but I have made quite a few. Um, but so let me take you back to that small group. So this guy turns up 
and uh, the small group's going. And on that night, we've got a bunch of students there for the first time who were studying theology at university. Anyway, this guy turns up with his dog, and our daughter's a wolf, the dog was called. He looked like a wolf, actually. And uh, he went to try and chase our kids upstairs, and they went scampering off. I thought, this is going to be different. And then while worship was going on, he, I, I'm in the hallway with him because he, he couldn't quite go into the front room. And he starts to confess to me the people that he'd murdered. Okay, this, what do I do now? No idea. Um, and, it, you know, and, and on that night went, and, and it, it just was so fascinating, all the incidents. There's a much bigger story there, but it just struck me how brilliant it is that, you know, through the small groups, you know, we, we get to take risks. We get to see God at work in really powerful ways. There was a real clash of kingdoms that night. Uh, and some of those students, their faith came alive again. It, it sort of went from theory to, oh, my goodness. You know, so, and then, you know, I think for me, the other thing that I just wanted to mention that I love, you know, with all the different ministries going on, we did set up one ministry. I'm, I'm still convinced, I told John and Debbie, I, they don't recall, nor do the trustees, but that's a minor thing, maybe. We, hi we hired a house for some homeless guys. It was somebody in the life of the church, and, um, and obviously, we didn't really know what we were doing, and then I got a phone call one Saturday morning from Tone, Tone Simmons, a member of pastoral staff back then, and I could hear him panting. He was running down the road. I said, I said, Tom, I need some advice. What, what, what's the matter? He said, I'm being chased down the road by one of the residents, and he's got a knife in his hand. What do I do? I, I said, Tone, you just keep running. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. Phone went down, off he went, and, you know, we got there. So we realized we sort of were out of our depth at that point, and we rapidly closed that house down and sort of decided we'd better work with the council and do it properly. So, so at the end of July, we both kind of asked, you know, this sense, like John again described, this stirring, something was happening, and we couldn't kind of, um, didn't really know what it was, and so we just said, you know, God, if this you, if this is you, you've got to speak to us, you've got to speak to us every day until we see John and Debbie, little be known to us, they were also having kind of similar conversations with God, so, um, and I thought, well, you know, in reality, that is probably not going to happen, so I kind of laughed on the inside, thinking, well, you know, you hear about these things, um, but I doubt it. But actually, to my utter shock, and I don't know why I was shocked, because maybe I shouldn't have been, suddenly God started to speak. I mean, so much so, I thought, God really, it really is real, really. I know now. And I remember, like, we, uh, one of the first things we did, we, like, decided to just kind of, you know, let's imagine then, you know, we were to plant a church in Derby, and we started to kind of, like, just think about it and kind of sit with it what would it feel like you know and so we're driving along chatting about this and maybe we could do it and maybe not and is it God and then as we're driving past in the middle of you know in the states on this big freeway highway suddenly we drive past this and there'll be a picture coming up and uh, and it was a sense of like oh maybe, maybe God's saying something and then um, and then the other thing someone had said to us your girls will be significant in this decision so I was like yeah actually as a family we've always like anything we've done when we fostered when we've moved we've always consulted as a family that's been really important so I messaged each of my girls saying you know guys we're just thinking that you know if God was speaking to us but it would probably mean us giving up the family home we may not have as much resources to kind of bail you out if you need us to and all of that so I, I waited it on you know anyway 
each of them came back uh, with an absolute resounding yes, like, we're behind you all the way, you've got to do this. And that was kind of took me by surprise. And then when we got back here, I remember like walking into my office, and I'd just moved offices actually into one um, down the other end of the corridor, and, and I found this bit of paper on the floor, so I picked it up to put it on my desk, and it just said on it, your part has come to an end. Just, just let go, watch and pray, and leave it to me. And I'm like, wow. I, I remember coming back um, from that sort of weird 10 days holiday after this conference and we were really seeking God. And I came back one Sunday morning just before we met up with John and Debbie to tell them that what we felt the Lord was saying. And I, I walked in um, to church on the, and I walked around the, the, vineyard, the Trent kids' rooms and I was just saying to God, was that a bit of a holiday romance? Because I love this place, I love these people you know, surely you can't be asking us to, to move on. Uh, and I walked into this auditorium, and um, one of the guys here that's got a good, really good uh, track record, he just came up to me, and he gave me four, I think it was four or five sheets of paper with prophetic words on different dates, and, and essentially saying, it's time to get ready to go. Uh, and, and it was a bit brutal on the one hand, because it's not really what I wanted to hear. Um, but on the other hand, it was so exciting because God was clearly speaking. Uh, and I think that's the thing that's kept us going through this time. Um, and, Connie, over to you. We've done so well so far, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, um, I remember actually the words were really specific. This, it was written down, this is the season. You've been thinking and seeking the Lord a lot. Take the steps and put into action. Now is the time. And then to me, it said, your work at the arches is done. And actually, this was already confirming what God was already saying to us. So it was amazing. And uh, I remember, again, the day before we saw John and Debbie, and still I was, like, questioning, right, Lord, it's the one day before. Do we go for this? Do we go for this? And I met with a, a guy called Mick in the church. We were meeting about an event at the Arches. It was going to be quite a functional meeting, I thought. And he just said to me, he said, oh, Helen, I've been, I've been, I was sat in my garden last week. I've been praying for you. And he said, I've written some stuff down. And um, things like, you know, what, what is it you see? If you see a small vision or calling, that's all you're aimed for. See what God sees for you. It's a far bigger vision for you. No limitations. And on and on. And it was like, oh, my goodness, again, confirming everything that God had been saying to us. And then I remember, like, um, after that driving through Derby, I'd just gone for a day just to kind of drive through, and there, there was a big bridge, and it just said, Re regenerating Derby, millions of pounds being spent. And I felt like God said, it's time for spiritual regeneration in Derby, and we were to play our part in that. And actually, it just struck me, you know, it's great that God speaks, and he really does. But I would challenge all of us today, what is God saying to us? Now, obviously, it's not about Derby, that's our thing, but what is it in your life that God um, maybe wants to speak into to bring about some kind of change? My turn. Um, one of the questions that we have uh, been asking ourselves in, in this whole process was, what do you want your story to be in 10 years' time? And that really helped us and helped me in particular as I thought deeply and prayed about that. And I started to get in touch with the fact that actually the dream would be to look back and having planted a church that has planted other churches, you know, and, and it just sort of started to really fit. And I, I suppose part of the question that we're wanting to inspire you to think about is what do you think you want to be looking back on in 10 years time? Um, what might that be for you? 
and how will that impact you know, the decisions you make daily now? You know, will you be in the same job in 10 years' time? Will you have reached out to some new friends in that time? You know, will relationships in your life be stronger? Are you going to invest in your marriage if you're married, your friends and family, your children? What, are you, what will you be looking back and having done with that time? But also, the key one for me is, will you have invested time with Jesus trying to discover what God's call on your life is? And it's interesting, again, as we've been through this journey, I've been reflecting on what, it, what is it that maybe stops, certainly myself and maybe some of the, these things you'll relate to, to actually really pursuing Jesus, listening to his voice and, his voice and stepping out. And I, I thought often for me, I just like security. I like certainty. I like stability. I often feel ill-equipped thinking, well, I'm not qualified. I haven't got those qualifications to do whatever. And for all of us, it will look different. It might be, you know, what's your security? Patterns of behavior, you think, I can't break those. Wanting to be in control. You know, fear for all kinds of reasons. I mean, for some here, you might be thinking like, even following Jesus, what is that all about? You know, stepping into faith, like trusting somebody else that you can't even fully see, you know, to kind of guide your life. But I can honestly say that the reason we're doing what we're doing, because it's the most exhilarating and life-changing experience just to give our lives to Jesus and see what he does with them. You know, if anyone ever says Christianity is boring or irrelevant, they just, they've missed it. You know, it's just so far from the truth. Yes, it does take faith and risk and trust, no doubt. And I just reflected back. I don't journal loads, but key events in my life I do and I I actually wrote in my journal the day we actually decided to speak to John and Debbie on the 1st of August I I just want to read this because it kind of really summarizes I guess a bit of the journey um, that we've we've been on so I wrote this on the 1st of August before we saw them it said well who'd have thought it 1st of August 2017 would be one of those days life-changing I didn't sleep well last night tossing and turning nervous excited finally it's time trying to feel the moment allowing and wanting time to slow down Today we made one of those life-changing decisions. When you hear others talk about, dream about, but in reality, only a few activate. Jumping, taking the plunge. We spent so much time pondering, seeking, churning. But today is that day. It's time to jump. At 51 and 58, we leap again into the unknown. We've been here before when life seemed more carefree and so much less to lose. Our whole life was in front of us, and when risk was kind of the name of the game. This feels bigger, more risky, way out of our comfort zone, where safety, security, and stability would be the wise option. The things in life that can seem so important and stand in the way of us taking these leaps of faith, our souls and spirits yearning to jump, but our heads weighing us down like a huge anchor holding a ship. Not today, though. Today is jumping day. It might be higher risk than ever before, but feels more exhilarating. Come follow me, Jesus says. I won't fail you or forsake you. These words, such a comfort. We're just throwing our five loaves and two fishes in the ring and seeing the miracle that God is going to do. We suddenly have a different perspective, a new view, like looking through a different window, different views, landscapes, scenery, colors, and breathing in fresh air. He speaks and it's a beautiful sound. For us, it's Derby, our small steps in starting an expression of church, a community, and a family. Of course, we don't fully know exactly what it's going to look like as we plant this vineyard in Derby. 
Helenless parties, and uh, um, so did Jesus. There'll be loads of those, I'm sure. But what we want to do is we want to find ways of loving and serving the people of Derby and beyond. The vision really is for that, for Derbyshire. Um, we want to welcome people from all walks of life into a, a community, into a church where every person is loved, valued, and they can belong. Our aim is to build an authentic community, an authentic church where we can explore together, experience together, and journey together to discover who Jesus is and how he's relevant to our lives today. We hope to create different environments and events where anyone and everyone will feel relaxed and comfortable, gather together, party together, and have fun together. We want to equip and empower and release people into their God-given purpose, knowing their significance and their worth, whatever they do in life. And we long for people to find a cause to live for by meeting and encountering Jesus and seeing him transform lives. Uh, for Helen and I, as we reflect back, we are so, so thankful, you know, for all that we've experienced being here in what has been just an amazing church. We are letting go of everything, everything here, letting go of our home, jobs, everything. And we're taking hold of what God is calling us into in Derby, in Derbyshire. And we will miss you. And we have had uh, an amazing chapter of our lives. And it's been so precious because of the people in this church over the last 21 years. And we just really want to say thank you. Thank you, Trent Vineyard. You have been amazing.